Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I started early. Carrie's not actually here yet, but I did not want people to have to sit and wait any longer. So she's coming. She's coming. I'm sending her signals back and forth. So uh, you're stuck with me for a moment. Oh, here she is. Let's see if I'll answer and see if she shows up. Uh, Carrie. Hey. <laughs> there you are. I was Hold just your horses. I was just saying I'm going live and we, you know, uh, waiting for you. Um, can someone, can everyone do a sound check? Because we've had some sound issues lately. So if one of us is loud and the other one is soft, please tell us and uh, we will fix that. So it doesn't last for the whole show. Carrie, um, happy May Day. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's May 1st, which as any good communist knows, is the International Workers Day. Uh, mm. So very important that we celebrate uh, the proletariat and the eventual collapse of capitalism and the rise of the masses. So I'm glad that Western mm. countries have their have their priorities in order, and we can all celebrate that. Um, you know what I was going to do, Carrie, um, while I was waiting for you? What? Someone in chat was talking about... Uh, Oh, someone says my mic's a little bit hot. I'm going to turn my mic down. That should be better. Um, people were mentioning, someone was uh, talking about being a bully. I think they were talking about it in context of Trump bullying. And um, it just dawned on me, when I was growing up, I don't know how it was for you, but when I was growing up, the word bully was something that we reserved for physical intimidation like a bully in school wasn't someone who just like called you names but like got other kids to like like or or themselves would physically intimidate or um like would steal your lunch money and i wondered if that was always the case so no what was what was it for you was it what was it for you well i mean that was like the movie version of a bully but bullies look i'm a girl bullying is different with girls Oh, I bullying is more that. like I was thinking the male yeah. perspective. Yeah, fair. Bullying is more like what you see the SJWs do online. It's like ganging up and turning people against you and maliciously calling you names and trying to ruin your reputation behind your back or to your face. Okay. So I've always viewed it as not necessarily physical. Oh, okay. Because I, I I wasn't sure if it's changed over time. Because it seems like people are like. People call Trump a bully, and I don't. I don't view him as a bully. I view him as like arrogant and full of bluster and attacks people. But I don't like. I don't view that as bullying. I just view that as like a bull in a china shop a little bit. But uh, I guess people view it as bullying. I I, I don't know. Um, maybe people yeah, have thinner I... skin than than I do. I I don't know. No, I could see why people call him a bully, for sure. He calls names. He does all the stuff that bullies do. But uh, I I kind of view him as uh, – he makes me laugh. <laughs> he's almost like uh, – what would you – like an ineffective bully? He's like he's like uh, in, in uh, like Better Off Dead. He's like the bully, like the jock. You know what I mean? The skier. Do you guys, off, do you guys remember that I don't think I movie? saw Better Off Dead. Oh my gosh, Carter! This is one I of those Carrie movies that I, I like. You always you made me watch. Uh, what about Bob recently? Which was good, but I had never seen. Oh, that, that was so good. That's good. Yeah, 
I mean, he's like that. He's just kind of laughable when he does it. I don't, I don't really, um, if I were on the receiving end of it, I don't think my opinion would be different. I think I would laugh. I think I would laugh at whatever he calls, you know what I mean? Cause his nicknames are ridiculous. Yeah. Well, they're, they're appropriate <laughs> yeah. sometimes, I guess. Um, all right. So I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. And, uh, that was just my own. Look, girls can bully. bully. Anybody who doubts that girls can bully, you know, if you're a woman, turn your mind back to middle school. And if you're not, uh, rent a movie about it, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> okay. Someone is telling but, me, uh, uh, Kent in, in chat is saying it's dark humor and I would love it. Kent knows that I like dark humor. So, um, yeah, you would like yes. it. In fact, hey, I want to share, uh, Oh, wait, now I, I can't do it because something. I discredited Kent and I don't want to do that. If you, ne- Never mind. I'll stop. I was going to share right. something. What? I just sent you two pictures it, since you were talking about May Day and workers' rights. My friend here in Austin sent me these. Um, thank you, Gus. I pull, pull these up. Pull up the one with the vandalism first. All right. Hold on for a so second. So this just happened in Austin this week. Um, somebody vandalized one of the, uh, let's see, I think it was a government building. Uh, Austin City Hall. Somebody vandalized Austin City Hall. And you can see in this picture that you're pulling up what they spray painted. Yep. Okay. It says U.S. imperialism is the virus. Socialist revolution is the cure. (laughs) Okay. so Socialists are so dumb. I'm sorry. The next, the next uh, picture is how the the Austin, the local news reported it. Look at the ticker at the bottom. Okay, hold on, hold on. I gotta pull that one up. I didn't pull that one up yet. All right. Uh... Austin City Hall vandalized with pro worker message. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pro worker. You know what? I, I've said this before, but I really hate the term worker is only applied to um, basically it's only applied to blue collar workers. It's not it's not applied to anyone else. Um, and that is a Marxist trick because they're trying to get you to um, they're they're implying that people who run companies don't do any work when actually the opposite is true. I have. Worked in McDonald's as a fry cook as a kid, and I have started companies. And let me tell you, starting a company is harder, and it's more work. So, uh, yeah, but they act well, like only the workers are only the people who do the most menial or the lowest level of the but of the work. Even if you – let's take their definition of worker, and let's just run with it. So let's say they're talking about working class people. Um. Which I again, I don't like that term. I don't know what working class. I know, I know you don't like it. I'm just saying that's okay. That they're talking about. I'm going to use the term working class people. People know what I mean when I say that, even if you don't like the term. Okay, so that's the group they're talking about. Socialism is not a pro worker message. It doesn't have those people's best interests at heart. Well, I mean, I guess some people believe it does, but still believe it does. But for the most, it's like. No, you want to turn those people into little automatons, like robots for an authoritarian government. How is that a pro-worker message? Yeah, although in fairness, like Marx's whole, uh, his whole shtick was that, 
I mean, he believed in this weird epistemological error, which is he he believed that literally um, people in different classes had different modes of thinking and that if you were bourgeois, you couldn't possibly understand the proletariat, except for him, who was bourgeois and a few other Marxist leaders who magically had proletariat thinking. He never explained that. He also never explained what happened to proletariat people who rose to bourgeois and suddenly became bourgeois thought pattern people and lost their proletariat pattern. But he like literally believed in two entirely different like cognitive methods. Um, and his whole point obviously was like the workers need to unite and revolt. And so at least, I mean, socialism does pay lip service to workers. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. I get it. I just, I just think it's funny that we are, we allow the news to characterize things like that. And, you know, they do this all the time. They have a narrative and they push a certain narrative, but it's just so funny to see it. How many things that I used to take at face value that now I look at and I'm like, so they're not, you know, and a real journalist would, the ticker would say Austin city hall vandalized and then show the picture or say, or by socialist or by socialist, socialist propaganda or socialist yeah. message message. You don't have socialist to say message. Yeah. You don't have to say propaganda. That's making a, a judgment call as well. Just say with socialist message, but they say pro worker. <laughs> So we know which way you're voting. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, that's a bad thing. Uh, I don't know. Um, Carrie, I, there's a, I, there's a lot to talk about that happened this week. I, I kind of don't know where to start other than um, I want to start with this. I want to talk about Tara I... Reid, but not a lot. I want to talk about Tara Reid a little bit. Okay. Can I plug something real quick? And then we can start to get into it. So I just saw, as I logged into YouTube to follow the chat, I just saw that this is airing. I didn't know it was airing right now. But I did an interview with uh, comedian Pat Dixon. If you guys aren't familiar with Pat, he's a really funny comedian. We we got to talk to him on Unsafe Space once. Um, and he interviewed me for his podcast. And I guess he's doing like a live premiere of that pre-recorded interview right now. Oh, Same cool. time we are, but uh, so don't you, go watch it until after. But later, you go watch it. Pat Dixon, D I X O N. You go check out his channel. He's pretty funny. Um, okay. All right. Good. Well, uh, by the way, hello to everyone in chat. I um, there's a lot of a lot of people in chat today. Okay. I kind of don't know where to start with this terror read thing. <laughs> so, uh, I let's just remind ourselves. Let's just remind ourselves of some things. Um, well, let's let's start with that. Here is I'm going to show you <clears throat> all I did. I'm going to I'm going to describe what I did here. All I did was search for the word Ford in the hashtag Believe Women uh, in the end of 2018, and these are the top tweets. So presumably the ones that were like most relevant and popular and whatever, right? All right. Tom Malinowski. Tom is, let's see, what's Tom's thing? Diplomat father, uh, Secretary of State for Democracy, uh, Human Rights and Labor, Congressman representing New Jersey's 7th District. Okay, so back then, Tom said, Leonard Lance's first instincts, despite having no evidence, was not to believe Dr. Ford's charges. Share this video if you believe your representative should believe women and believe survivors. So all I did was, all I did here was I said, okay, 
Has Tom said anything about Tara Reid? No. Okay, next. Rosa DeLauro. Believe all women, blah, blah, blah. Christine Ford is the best. Okay, who she represents Kentucky's third district. Has she said anything? No, nothing about Tara Reid. Okay, um, I skipped this person because they didn't have a blue check mark, so I'm sticking to blue check marks. Uh, Raul M. Grijalva. He is a representative, it says. Rep. Raul Grijalva. Okay, when the president mocks survivors, he's yelling about uh, Ford, believe women. We, we hear you believe women. Okay, has he said anything? No. <laughs> you can see where this is going. Anna Gallant. Okay, so when, I think people should, uh, a good thing to do, and I intend on doing this, not today because I don't have time after this, but maybe tomorrow, mm-hmm. is to screenshot these people when they talked about Believe All Women when it was politically convenient for them and put it back in their face and say, where's your, just ask them, where are your comments? Where are your comments about Tara Reid? Or are you a hypocrite? Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, okay. Keep going, though. Yeah, I'm just going to, don't worry, this won't take long. <laughs> I can, and I've showed you how to do this. I'm showing you exactly what I'm doing. And this is not, I'm not like cherry picking. All right. Anna, Anna from moveon.org, organizer, strategist, blah, blah, blah. Anna, hey, we're having vigils. Stop Kavanaugh. Ford's testimony, grassroots activism, believe women. Anna, nothing about Tara Reid. Okay, next. Uh, Liuba Gretchen Shirley, um, founder of Vote Mama US, former congressional candidate. She says, hey, after yesterday's Kavanaugh hearings, American Bar Association to urge the Senate to delay the vote out of respect for the rule of law. The FBI must conduct a full investigation. Believe Dr. Ford. Survey says, no, hasn't mentioned anything about Tara Reid. Okay. Uh, Elizabeth Washerhands Thorpe. <laughs> That's her new, yeah, Elizabeth Thorpe. Um, Okay, she's a actress, I guess. She had a whole believe women, common sense, we are the mob. Uh, I would have done a great job if I were an FBI agent, blah, blah, blah. Okay. What does she say? Uh, that's the other one. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Did she mention at all Tara Reid? No. No mention. Okay. Carolyn Maloney. Representative Carolyn Maloney. Chair of Oversight for the Democrats. She believe all women, stand with Dr. Ford, blah, blah, blah. Survey says nothing. Hasn't mentioned Tara Reid at all. Steny okay, Moyer. Because we could do this all day. I get it. I get it. Yeah, Everybody I'm just, look, this. literally yeah. all of these people. Let me go through this. All these people. Nothing. This person actually did use the word read in a tweet once back in 2012, but unrelated. Uh, all these people, but nothing, none of them. And so them. here's, here's my position. And this is, this is the difference between, and you'll see this if you start arguing with people in the comments about this. And I haven't, I've kind of ignored the Tara Reid thing for now, just because there's so much other stuff I'm paying attention to. But just like with Blasey Ford, I don't know if, if what she's saying is true or not. I don't, I have, how could I know? There certainly seems to be like she had the Larry King. There's the Larry King phone call where her mom called Larry King and talked about this in the 90s. There are people who have come forward, friends of hers, to say she told them. But, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know. 
Um, and I said the same thing about Blazy Ford. I don't know. And what I've said is like people deserve due process in the in the law, yes. But also in the court of public opinion, why are we rushing to judge? Like the Kavanaugh thing was a really a wake up call to me about what had happened to my party, the Democratic Party, because the fact that they were willing to try and destroy this guy's reputation for life um, just for political ends. It, it, it was one of the most disgusting things I've seen from my party. And it soured me really hard. I was already, you know, I had already decided I was going to be an independent. But that just was like the icing. At that point, I think is when I started thinking, you know what? It was around the same time I was considering voting for my first Republican in 2018. Um, it just it just really soured me. And so uh, what's hypocritical here, um, my position is the same about both of these women. I don't know. I can I can come to a conclusion, a personal conclusion like, yeah, I think this person's guilty or this person's not. But I don't know. Um, their position is not consistent. It's not intellectually consistent. If it's politically expedient for them. They're willing to ruin a man's life on flimsy allegations that no one can prove. And they're willing to plaster it. The 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 media, it's 24-7, the Kavanaugh stuff. It was so ubiquitous, that story. It was everywhere that, you know, I was walking down Congress Avenue in Austin and the hipster woke hotel had changed their billboard to say, we believe her. You know, like people everywhere you went, people were talking about it. They they tried to ruin this man's life and compare that with their reaction to Tara Reid. And like you've just shown, none of them have tweeted about it. None of them are talking about it. The well, media is radio silent comparatively. Absolutely. And and it, actually, it's total we should... hypocrisy right in our face. The story isn't for me. One last, the story isn't Tara Reid and whether this happened or not. I, re, I mean, I really don't know. And I don't I don't care. I mean, I, I don't. Because there's nothing I can do about it if it did happen. And there's not like that's not the story. The story is look at this hypocrisy in the way that they treat these two examples. Look at the story is the hypocrisy. Yes. Uh, thank you, Nicole. Uh, Nicole sent us a super chat saying Biden literally grabbed her by the you know what. <laughs> it won't let me write that. Um, yeah. So I, I, I want to delve into this a little bit, not because I care about the allegations, but because of the hypocrisy. So I demonstrated right. some Twitter stuff. Uh, I'm not done showing stuff. I would like to show a few more things here. Um, okay, but are, so, hold, hold on. We just think it's up, we've had some super chats, and I don't want to get way behind. So just let's just say thank you to those guys. Uh, Daniel. Who was okay, it? Okay, so we Daniel? did Nicole Pratt. Uh, EC Homer, I think, sent us a super chat. We need to harvest some antibodies from, <laughs> from some Democrats to create a cognitive dissonance <laughs> vaccine. That's an excellent idea. Uh, <laughs> I think that's an excellent uh, idea. Daniel um, Keene, thank you for the super chat. He says, don't ne don't neglect the like button. It's lonely and your touch is all it wants. <laughs> thank you, Daniel. <laughs> oh, did I miss that one? The reminder, Sorry, yes. I'll, I'll throw you on the screen, Daniel. There we go. <laughs> cool. And There's then thank Daniel. you. Nicole Pratt donated again and said, hoo-haw. <laughs> is that a euphemism? Hoo-haw? Hoo-haw? Hoo-ha, I think, is a euphemism for, like, lady bits. Oh, oh, yeah. I thought it was uh, hoo-ha, H-A-H. But maybe it's hoo-ha, H-A-W. Oh, oh, <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a lady bits euphemism expert. 
but I, I want to show, I just want to show this because uh, I want to just yeah, underscore this hypocrisy. So heavy, heavy is a heavy.com is the kind of uh, outlet that does these five things you need to know kind of stuff. They're very good at listicles. So let's look at the five things. Actually, before we even do this, um, let me just back up for a second. Uh, I just want to clarify a few things. Let's just compare what we know about Ford and Tara Reid. Um, uh, Blasey Ford claimed that it was probably 1982, sometime in that. Originally, she thought it was the early 80s, didn't have a clear time. Uh, Tara Reid, 1993, much more recent. Still a long time ago, though, right? But more recent. Um, Ford uh, basically had no real corroborating evidence uh, no extemporaneous corroborating evidence, despite what the media said. So the media would say things like, she has four people who corroborated her story, but then you would look into them and they were her husband who said that he learned about it in 2012 from the therapist, who, by the way, therapist notes don't mention Kavanaugh. So that's not extemporaneous corroboration. Uh, a friend who did not identify Kavanaugh by name and learned about it in 2013, again, not contemporaneous. Another friend claimed that Ford told him about it, the attack in 2016, not 1982. Another friend, Rebecca White, she said Ford told her about the assault in 2017 and did not identify Kavanaugh by name. And her lifelong friend, Leland Kaiser, um, says, simply put, Ms. Kaiser does not know Ms. Kavanaugh, and she has no recollection of ever being at a party or gathering uh, where he was present, with or without Dr. Ford. Um, so, but the media ran with this as like, she's got corroborating evidence. Okay. Now, just so you know about Tara Reid, again, we don't know if Tara Reid is true or false. We don't know, but, um, she has, uh, a friend that said, uh, at least one anonymous friend so far in 1993 at the time, uh, that said, oh no, sorry. One friend that says she recalled telling her in 2008. So still not contemporaneous. Um, Linda Lacasse, though, um, who was a neighbor, says she was told in 95, 96, much closer to the time. Um, another person, oh, and she, and she was saying, by the way, quote, she has told me about this guy, and I didn't really know who Joe Biden was, but she had worked for the senator. She told me his name, and she said that he put her up against the wall. He was working with her at the time. I'm not going to read the details about what he allegedly did, but she describes them. Um, and as you pointed out, uh, there was a Larry King tape from 1993. So the year that this happened, as she was leaving Joe Biden's office, her mom allegedly called Larry King to talk about, hey, her daughter has this issue and uh, doesn't want to name the senator or the, the important person and what do they do? So way more corroborating evidence, still just evidence, still not the best, but compared to Ford, way more credible. So let's see what the media did with it. Let's see what heavy.com as an example did with it. And the reason I'm using heavy.com is if you search for like facts about Ford or facts about Tara Reid, you'll, you'll land on heavy.com because all their titles are like five facts you need to know. So what are the five facts you need to know about Blasey Ford? One, she's a professor at Palo Alto University who teaches graduate students in clinical psychology. Okay, so she's smart. That's a good thing about her. Two, she co-authored a bunch of scientific publications. Okay, I guess that's a need to know. So, so far we're building her character as a smart scientist person. She's married and has children. 
Okay, so she's relatable. Got it? Four, um, she claims that Kavanaugh groped her and tried to take her clothes off against her will, and she says he thought he might inadvertently kill me. So she made an allegation. So, so far we've got, she's credible, she's relatable, she made an allegation, and the fifth thing you have to know is she passed a polygraph test administrated by a former FBI agent in July. Those are it. That's it. Those are the five things to know about Christine Blasey Ford. What are the five things to know about Tara Reid? They have the same freaking thing. Five things to know about Tara Reid. Number one. She alleged wait, in an wait, interview. Can I guess? I haven't read this. Okay. Are they so they just did five things to know about Blazy Ford that painted her in a very sympathetic, flattering light. Of course. Now, are they going to paint Tara Reed in a very unflattering, uh, suspicious light? Let's see, Carrie. <laughs> Number one, she alleged in a podcast interview that Biden sexually assaulted her against a wall. Okay, that's kind of her allegation. Fine. Um, she previously came forward with other allegations after another woman accused Biden of being inappropriate. Eh, again, fine, okay. That's two. Three, uh, she was criticized for comments she made about Vladimir Putin and has urged people to vote for Bernie Sanders. Oh, so there might be a political motive with Tara Reid. She's not in the Biden camp. Interesting. She described a difficult relationship with her father and time spent in Hollywood. So she could be a troubled young woman who just is confused. <laughs> Joe Biden denies it. But that's, by the way, that's not about Tara Reid. <laughs> so there you go. Where was, the, uh, where was the Kavanaugh denies it bullet point out of the five on the other one? Right. So the point, <laughs> the point here obviously is. Uh, they treat it differently. They treat it vastly differently. And it's just about every media outlet. The only good thing I've seen from any mainstream media is, uh, I think it was yesterday, uh, maybe it was this morning, on Morning Joe, the woman whose name I forget, she had Biden on and actually did ask some real questions uh, and, and used his own words about the Kavanaugh hearing against him. Like, you said, believe all women, and we should presume that they're guilty. Like, why is that not what we're doing now? Um, so that was okay, but they have largely been silent, and when they are covering it, they're doing it reluctantly, by and large. And where's Alyssa Milano? Where's all of the? Where is all of the protest? The people, you know, dressing up in the the Margaret Atwood red the uh, Handmaid's Tale, red stuff. Yeah. yeah, Handmaid's Tale stuff. Where is all of this? Where's all the lamenting and the wearing of hair shirts and like, like? Remember when they were beating down all the this? Supreme Court doors? Yeah, they were trying to and they were wailing and crying against the doors. OK, so two. it's a good question you're asking. Where are they? Somebody messaged me and forgive me. It may have been Ed. I can't remember. So I, I, somebody messaged me about um, the fact that Sarah Silverman had posted a message in support of Tara Reid or in, at least investigating. Right. Okay. And said they were kind of shocked that she did so. And who's the other one that that led the Me Too stuff? Not Alyssa Milano, the one that doesn't like her. Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan also tweeted something in support of Tara Reid. So I, I want to give those two credit. Oh, wait, no, no, no. It was Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano, I want to give her credit. She says, quote, oh, she on did. Twitter, okay. 
Yeah, I'm aware of the new developments in Tara Reid's accusation against Joe Biden. I want Tara, like every other survivor, to have the space to be heard and seen without being used as fodder. I hear and see you, Tara. Hashtag me too. And I bet you, I bet you Rose McGowan also tweeted in support. The thing about those three, um, you know what that tells me? They're not silent like the like the overwhelming majority of the media and all of those blue checkmark Twitter users that you saw, because I think this is, this goes back to the two types of SJWs that you and I have debated about before or talked about before. I think roughly speaking, there's two kinds of groups of SJWs. There are the ones with bad, bad intent who know perfectly well that they're hypocrites, that the ideology, they know what it is. They know it's not what they claim it is and they want power and they want to oppress others, and they are a bad faith actors. And then there are the people who are in it with good intent, who've been brainwashed and truly believe that this is a way to end sexism and racism, and they're, they're, they have good intentions, but they're in an evil ideology. That I was in that camp. I, I know that's possible because I was in that camp for 20 years, and I wasn't in it to a abuse or gain power or oppress. I was in it because I thought this was like a good moral system of belief. And this was a way to end racism and sexism. I think the ones that you've seen break ranks with the cult of SJW, the ones who are trying to be intellectually consistent are the people who are sincere. You, that's why you see Sarah Silverman, Alyssa Milano, who are, that's why you see them saying, because they're trying to be intellectually consistent they're not comfortable being that hypocritical. And those people, in my opinion, are the ones who, I mean, not that that's, you, you don't care as much as I do about pulling people out of the cult, but, but I care about it. And I think those are the kinds of people who can, who have the potential to wake up one day. Because if, if they're able to see the hypocrisy in, in the woke cult, in the media and all of it, and to go against that hypocrisy, they're able to see it in other instances too. And if you help them see it, I think those are people you can pull out of it. So that's my take on why you see some of them breaking ranks. But. Well, uh, first let's, let's thank Chaz1422 for his super chat or her super chat. I'm not sure. It looks like maybe a Sasquatch. Um, <laughs> uh, Chaz says mainstream media attacked Kavanaugh. Fox News is attacking the media hypocrisy. Um, yeah, so... Carrie, let's just, um, I just ran this Twitter search in real time right now. Uh, okay. Here's Alyssa Milano mentioning Tara Reid. USA Today did a story on the inconsistencies in the allegations. That's her latest tweet. Prior to that, she says, I wrote this op-ed piece about the Tara Reid allegations against Joe Biden. Please give it a read. This is the title of her op-ed piece. A Melissa Milano on why she still supports Joe Biden and how she would advise him about Tara Reid allegations. Guest column. Here's why I'm still supporting Joe Biden. Actually, you know what? This is in line with my gut anyway, because Timmy in chat just said that Alyssa only Alyssa Milano only spoke up after she was called out publicly by Rose McGowan. That is right in line with that's why I thought it was Rose in my memory. I thought it was Rose that had spoken out because Rose strikes me as someone who's very sincere. Even if you don't agree with her on stuff, she's trying to be intellectually consistent. Alyssa Milano, who Rose McGowan doesn't like, <laughs> is less sincere. So she's the type, I think, who maybe, maybe I would put her in a different group than the, than those other two, than Rose than Rose McGowan, because she's like, it's almost like I had she had to say something because she got publicly called out. 
Right. <laughs> but right. And and but, yeah. look, to be to be very uh transparent about this, uh Belief all women is wrong. Like I'm not saying Tara Reid should be believed either. Uh and I don't like Joe Biden, but people have uh innocence until proven guilty or they should be innocent until proven guilty and it's very difficult to prove 27 year old 30 year old 35 year old allegations against someone and it's a serious allegation and there needs to be a serious amount of evidence in order to consider this uh true so i i like rose mcgowan may be consistent in that she doesn't believe in innocence until proven guilty and that women should just be believed all the time that's a vile position but I, at least she can be not hypocritical in holding the vile position. It's, but most of the mainstream media doesn't actually hold that position. They just hold that position when it's convenient for them, and they hold the opposite position when it's Joe Biden, and we all know that. Um, by the way, there are more super chat. I feel like there's. I missed a super chat, so I don't want to. I've got to scroll you did. down. Here. You got to scroll up. Keith the heck guy. Keith did. There. I knew I knew we missed something. Keith, thank, thank you, Keith. you from Keith. Uh, I checked the side of the barn. Can't remember the second part. But today it says, believe all women who accuse Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Believe all women who accuse Republicans. Uh, or actually, <laughs> if this was a Bernie, I think if this was a Bernie accusation, they might be in the believe, some of them would be in the believe camp because they wanted Biden. Um, yeah. Actually, or I don't know. Maybe if Bernie were still a contender, a lot of them would be, they would be split. Some of them would be believe the, if they both had accusations, one would be like, believe the Biden, but not the Bernie. And they would be vice versa. They would, they would be uh, yelling at each other because, you know, it has nothing to do with anything. By the way, you shouldn't believe anyone uh, just at face value. Uh, do you remember the thing, Carrie? Like, uh, I forget when this was. I think it was in the 90s. Well, I think it was I the Republicans say, that did this against Clinton. They were like, the serious of, of the seriousnesses of the accusations demand that we like. I'm like, the seriousness of an accusation is not a legal like it doesn't. Well, it's a very serious accusation. Therefore, we have to take some steps. It's like, no, uh, like actually, serious, when it's it, a serious allegation, when it's a serious allegation, it requires more evidence. Yes, because it's a serious allegation because yes. you're accusing someone of being a rapist or a racist or you know a nazi you better have the evidence to back it up because those are life ruining epithets to put on someone who is not those things so the seriousness you know what i say when they say believe all women it, it's just it's straightforward believe evidence period it's not about what gender you are of course. I, I, as a woman i find it disgusting that that this whole idea of believe all women that we're not capable of lying that we d we never have ulterior motives it's ridiculous we are margaret atwood no one who's ever dated a woman funny. believes that that's just... <laughs> margaret atwood who when i was a, when i was younger like middle school all the way through college margaret atwood was my favorite author i mean to this day she may still be my favorite author um one of the things I can't stand about them dressing up like handmaids is they tried to co-opt her. And the, when they did the show of the handmaid's tale after the first season encompassed the, what happens in the book, the second season is some SJW fever dream that they just cooked up in the SJW writer's room. It's disgusting. I'm like, I can't believe what you're doing to my favorite book. Um, and then they go out there parading around as if, as if Margaret Atwood agrees with them. Right. Margaret Atwood wrote a great essay um, she's come out against a lot of these witch hunts against men. She got raked over the coals. The SJWs turned on her because 
she spoke out um, about the presumption of innocence in defense of a professor who was being me too'd and his career was being destroyed um, with, with allegations that couldn't be proven that spiraled out of control like this, where people in the media were like, Oh, I believe all women. I I automatically believe it. Right. So, and she wrote a really great essay. Uh, it's not at the top of my head right now, but, um, maybe I can post it later in the comments, but she wrote a great essay in which she said, you know, women are, we're like men. We're neither angels nor devils. We're humans. Right. You know, women are capable of lying. If you if you think that Mar- Margaret Atwood thinks women are not capable of lying, you, you haven't read any of her books. <laughs> <laughs> the women are pretty, you know, flawed characters. <laughs> well, I mean, I the only caveat I would say is I, I wouldn't say believe evidence either. I would I would say consider evidence um, because you know what? Uh, evidence isn't, uh, evidence is just evidence. Like, well, where were you on the night of January 13th? Like, okay, well, like you might have been there, but that doesn't mean like it's evidence needs to be considered and weighed against other evidence. And like, you know, that's telling, there is no simple, like people just want simple rules, believe blah, blah, blah. That's never going to be a rule. Like that's never a good judgment uh, that's not a good algorithm for judging the fate of a human being with respect to convicting them of a crime. Believe blank. That's not a. That's not a statement. Well, that's, like that doesn't I, work. I'm you consider evidence and you this. weigh it and you judge the evidence against that. Like you consider it all evidence. in context. Right. But in terms of slow, uh, slogan and branding and helping to get ideas across to people, that is a great way of putting it. When you're confronted with a believe all women person, believe evidence is. They, how, nobody can dispute that. Well, like, that's the, like, the reason I don't like it is because what I would like to do is to get people to understand that they can't just blindly believe things. They're obligated to engage their their think box and actually yeah, but consider you're things. Asking them to take a, the third step, I'm trying to get them to the first one. No, whatever. <laughs> we, we're not. Neither one of us are in charge of a national campaign, so we don't have to argue about the slogan for that campaign. But uh, that's just that's the only that's the only caveat I would say to to that um all right it's like believe all women consider evidence and here's you know like I, anyway we yeah we don't have to argue about it <laughs> sorry you really want to argue just, about it though don't you you're I'm like no no that's good that's got to be believe evidence um, i'm busting your your hoo-ha you're busting my hoo-ha <laughs> um yeah i i uh yeah who knows People just want uh, to escape thinking. Is it's one yeah. of the big problems that we have in society is that people want shortcuts to thinking, um, and they're like, "What should I believe?" Stop asking that question. Stop asking what you should believe. Shut up. Go think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah, put that on a bumper sticker. Um, speaking of uh, what you should believe, I guess. Um, okay. I know you saw this cause you, you sent me this on, uh, signal and, uh, Becky Steyer sent me this in email. Um, a couple things happened recently about, you, you know, Carrie, you know, the doctors that we talked about, Dr. Erickson, uh, and his partner in Bakersfield, California, who had a controversial press conference about, coronavirus stuff. I did not like their stats that they did at the beginning, but I thought a lot of other stuff they said was very important. I, I didn't like their misapplication of stats, but the rest of their stuff was really good. Um, 
And uh, so that was my opinion. I think you liked the whole thing generally. Um, but uh, interestingly enough, <laughs> we had a couple things happen. First, um, this, the, what is this called? The American Academy of Emergency Medicine. The American Academy of Emergency Medicine issued this statement, which uh, is weird, kind of, because I don't I know read what, this. what would compel them to do this. It's short, and it contains zero rebuttal rebuttal of anything like there's no yeah there's no there's no rebuttal it this is the this is like a youtube comment you hurt my feelings I'm like all right well that's not this, an argument this, or that's what somebody this is in my local group i shared the video of dr erickson and his colleague before it got taken down by youtube mm -hmm. and some person replied you know how people like to just cut and paste links and they don't actually give you their opinion and half the time they don't even read the own thing the thing they're sending you yeah they're just like okay this is the thing to send now to respond to anybody who posts that video so she just shared this and i read it and i was like so there's no actual rebuttal in here of any of the facts that they laid out nothing uh all they're saying is uh we we don't agree right and so let's let's, let's read it it's short opinion. let's read it it's short yeah. american academy of emergency medicine Joint and and the ACEP, I don't know what that is, Some probably some other emergency physicians. Uh, oh, here they tell us. The American Academy of Emergency Medicine and the American College of Emergency Physicians jointly and emphatically condemn the recent opinions. <laughs> they condemn opinions released by Dr. Eric, or Daniel Erickson and Dr. Artin Mas Masihi. Uh, these reckless and untested musings... This is, by the way, this is all reckless and untested musings is, uh, this is just literary emotional language. It has no, this has no scientific meaning. These reckless, I guess untested does, but what the hell? No, nothing that anyone says is tested. The reckless and untested musings do not speak for medical society. I don't know what that means. A medical society, like any group of people, is not a unified front and are inconsistent with current... Wait, wait, you know what the implication is there? We do speak for the medical right. oh, yeah, society. Yeah, of course, right. And, and are inconsistent with current science and epidemiology regarding COVID-19. So I got to this part and I was like, oh, so now they're going to tell us what the current science is that is inconsistent with the statements that he said. No. No, now they switch to um, basically a, uh, a kind of a combination of ad hominem slash genetic fallacy. As owners of local urgent care units, clinics, it appears that these two individuals are releasing biased, not peer-reviewed data to advance their personal financial interests without regard for the public's health. Wow. Don't trust what them. They're blow. entrepreneurs. What a low blow that is. Right. COVID-19 misinformation is widespread and dangerous. Members of the AAEM and ACEP are firsthand witnesses to the human toll that COVID-19 is taking on our communities. AAEM and ACEP strongly advise against using any statements of Drs. Erickson and Masihi as a basis for policy and decision-making. So they have said nothing, but they did manage to say it in a way that makes, uh, makes it clear that you're supposed to feel icky about Dr. Erickson. You know what this reminds me of? What? Have you guys ever seen, and Carter, maybe you've seen, um, whenever the SJWs try and what they call, quote, deplatform a speaker at a college who's a wrong thinker, um, 
they send letters. I've read several of these letters, like when Jordan Peterson goes to speak somewhere or um, uh, what's her name who wrote The War on Cops, Heather McDonald. Hmm. They'll send letters full of it's the same kind of letter. It says nothing. It offers no evidence. It offers zero rebuttal. It in, They engage in name calling and character assassination. And the letters are usually like, you know, full of just extreme hyperbole. How, how dare you let this racist, white supremacist, you know, sexist, uh, Nazi, you know, heterosexist. Those just like name stuff and, you know, causing harm. They'll use all these little buzzwords, causing harm, problematic, you know, to problematic for marginalized communities. You need to take the safety of your communities. And it's full of all this rhetoric, never any facts to back it up. And it makes me think of those letters. It's like those letters that the college kids send to try and get speakers canceled. It's exactly that. Um, and Little Ragamuffin in chat says, bullies. I guess, uh, since so I was corrected on the definition of bullies earlier, uh, sure, I guess this is bullying. I mean, they're trying to uh, trash their reputation by saying we disagree and these people have reckless musings. Um, and, you know, and, and this is the difference between, um, worship of science and worship of scientists. Uh, this, these are like any organization. It's probably largely political. These are two political organizations, AAEM and ACEP, who don't like what was said and can't agree at all on how to argue using facts. Uh, they just all agree that it should be condemned by the way thank you to daniel for the super chat um daniel says have you guys talked about the last of us yet no uh and i don't even know what you're talking about carrie do you know what is that daniel's the video about? is that the video game i don't know i don't know There's daniel a... you got to tell us more information I, I don't yeah know. yeah yeah the last of us it's a it's i, I like post-apocalyptic games it's um oh, is that what it is i can't remember if I, I can't remember if i played that one or not i may yeah yeah uh, is that what you're talking about, or is there something else called The Last of Us? Let us know. <laughs> I'll, I'll look it up while we're sitting here. Okay. The Last of Us. It's an, a 2013 action-adventure game. That's that's the only thing Wikipedia's got, but I guess it could be something else. I don't see a disambiguation. Uh... Oh, for other uses, Last of Us disambiguation. So maybe there's another thing. Um, anyway. No, we haven't talked about that. But if you want to say something about it, tell us. Um, so there's something else going on that I, I want to draw people's attention to with respect to this COVID stuff. And, uh, I'm going to introduce it in a way that maybe doesn't seem that seems like a good piece of semi good news. Um, but I want to walk through this story. So someone sent me this. Uh, actually, I wish I could, let me find out who sent me this so I can give them credit. It was, uh, Wombat of Doom. Wombat of Doom sent me this. Oops, wrong one. There's my notion. Uh, okay, Wombat of Doom. Let's see. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> All right. So, this is a... I guess, press release, news release from the city of Kansas City, Missouri. And this is about their new 10-10-10 rule. They're going to do a what they're calling a soft reopening of their city, which I guess on the surface sounds good. And in some ways is good. I'm not, it's not, you know, it's not not good. 
but let's read this for just a second because it, it it introduces something that I've been concerned about with respect to the consequences for our freedoms of this coronavirus stuff. Kansas City Mayor Quinton Lucas today, in consultation with Kansas City Health Department Director Rex Archer. <laughs> Rex Archer is like an awesome Rex Archer, MD. I feel like that that should be a comic book. Announced Kansas City's phased reopening plan. Beginning May 15th, all Kansas City businesses, all Kansas City businesses, will be able to reopen subject to a new 10-10-10 rule. The 10-10-10 rule specifies that all non-essential Kansas City businesses must limit the number of customers allowed in their establishment at one time to no more than 10% of the building occupancy, or 10 people, whichever is larger, and record the names, contact information, and approximate entry exit time of all customers who are on the premises and seated for more than 10 minutes. Established such as grocery establishments such as grocery stores, medical and dental offices, pharmacies, and other essential businesses are not subject to the 10-10-10 rule. Um, here's why I care about this and why I think this matters. Uh, there's a we're going to start losing privacy more than we have in the past with this. And uh, one of the ways is is basically through paying attention to where you are and who you're with. Now, that's not information that, uh, well, it's information that bureaucracies and authoritarian governments would love to have uh, because it's a way to track who's talking to whom. But they are asking, you know, in the United States, we can't get away with doing something as overt as China can, where the government just says, here are the rules. You got to give us your location data or report this stuff or whatever, because people um, people are sensitive to that. At least most people. However, you can get away with having rules that require private businesses to do it. COVID COVID is allowing this. COVID is is opening the door for this. And if you'll notice, this means if you go to a business, they're going to they're going to start tracking your entry and exit time and get your contact information and record your names if you're there for more than ten minutes. That's um, that's weird. So if you go to our pizzeria and sit down and have a slice of pizza, they have to know that who you are, what your contact information is, um, and they're going to know who else was in the store, probably at the table with you. Um, that's pretty disturbing uh, to anyone who cares about privacy. I also see if this kind of thing rolls out broadly, I could see apps developing to to handle this for. Uh, Customers, because remember, entrepreneurs don't have an ideological. Uh, the most entrepreneurs don't care about ideology; they're just trying to make something that sells. So, you could develop an app to make it easier for restaurant owners to sync with people's phones and figure out who is there and provide that information. Um, so that's bothersome to me, and that's a mildly bother bothersome thing. But it it brought up some concerns about some more bothersome stuff that I want to mention quickly. Um, one is. App, well, let's. it brings up Apple and Google right away. So let's talk about what Apple and Google have been doing during the COVID crisis with your data and then what they plan to do. So um, Google- Can I interrupt for a second? Yeah. I think this makes me think of um, the social credit score in China. Right. Do you know what I mean? Where they have you, they can decide whether based on your social credit score, whether you can take a flight <laughs> or a train trip and the government 
does this. You're ranked. It's it's like that uh, Black Mirror episode. If anybody's a fan of Black Mirror, which is an amazing show, I think every episode um, is is prescient in a different way. But there's an episode about like a social ranking score that's already happening in other countries. But this makes me think this is like a pathway there. They start recording consumers information for going into a store. I don't know. That's just what it's making me think of. Okay, go ahead. I haven't I haven't read all of this yet. Yeah, and we're going to get to your point exactly in a moment. Um so uh it should make you think of that. And China does have that. Uh I don't think it's rolled out everywhere yet. Um but they also have something else related to COVID which we'll talk about. Um so COVID's a good way to to get this. So if you look at this, Google in the UK I don't know if they actually ended up doing this, but there's this article about Google could share. They're considering sharing users' location data directly with the UK government to help track the movement of citizens. Okay, that's interesting. Um, Apple made aggregated data available to people uh, to to people to see what was going on. Now, Apple, I went to their aggregated data site. It's pretty it's pretty privacy safe. It's just totally totally aggregated data. Um, so those two things, like okay, not too bad. Like maybe maybe Google would share aggregated data. That's not really clear. Apple did share some aggregated data, okay. But um, <clears throat> there's this new thing coming along that's a collaboration between Google and Apple. They've they've come up with a standard together. And I don't know if anyone has seen this, but it's a contact tracing standard. Um, <clears throat> and by the way, uh, we should say thank you again to. Daniel for the super chat. Daniel says, uh, "Hardware, I, I guess hardware. HW, that means hardware to me. So I'm going to assume it's hardware. Please, YouTube. L, wait, T L O U T woke. Read up and chat Monday. Okay, it's the last, the Last of Us too. So what I gathered from the comments is, the first Last of Us is the one I was thinking of." There's a new one that was supposed to come out at the end of the year that is super woke, and it's like a, a lesbian and someone else and a trans person battling Christians. That's oh, what God. default default said it is, and that a, a disgruntled employee leaked all this information because they weren't getting paid, and so uh, all the gaming channels are talking about it now. So thank you, Daniel, and thank you guys, thank you, Mandy, and people in chat who knew about it. I'm definitely gonna look this up because it's right at my alley. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. Oh, HW now means homework. It's homework to moms, says Nicole oh. Pratt. <laughs> yeah, well, to engineers, it means hardware. So I was very confused. Um, okay. Uh, but I want to talk about this. I want to talk about this briefly. So there's this contact tracing protocol that has been developed by Apple and Google. I have not read. So uh, in my past life, one of the things I would do is, is uh, specifically attack cryptographic protocols and determine where they broke down and that kind of stuff. I haven't done that to this, so I can't speak about the security of this protocol at all, but I can talk generally about what it's supposed to do. Um, they are, they would like to provide a way for people to build apps. Um, and then when they say people, they, I think they mean government officials, they mean like health officials. I don't think they, I think they use the phrase health officials or something like that. I'm not sure how that gets determined, but um it's a way where your phone would broadcast um, on Bluetooth every 10 minutes, I think, if I recall. And it would basically do a handshake with other phones. 
and determine whether like who you were in proximity to. And then that data would get correlated at, at, after 24 hours, it would get correlated with like who's, who is confirmed positive and were you potentially exposed. Now they have, because they at least ostensibly care about privacy, they have some things to give us some reassurance here. One, you've got to opt in. Uh, so you don't have to do this. You can opt out of doing this. Two, um, they've got like, and again, I have not done a review, uh, security review of this, uh, but they are trying to use um, some cryptography to keep actual information uh, at least somewhat anonymous, anonymous completely, I guess. No one else is supposed to be able to figure out, you know, associate your ID with you and it changes every 15 minutes or whatever, your unique ID and... Uh, you know, there's some backend correlation of data happen or some uh, collection of who's positive happens. And then it gets sent to your phone and your phone goes through these things without really knowing who who's associated with what. Uh, I do have some concerns about it because it looks like your phone is the one that, that parses to see whether you were exposed. Um, I also have a concern just uh, with over a decade experience doing this, uh, something that's been thrown together quickly. Um, by collaboration between two large companies is likely to have holes in it. Um, it clearly, I don't, it hasn't been out for peer review very long. And in cryptography, peer review is something that's needed for a while, usually before you um, feel good about it at all. But assuming that it's completely secure and it's, um, assuming that it's completely secure and it's opt-in, I think a lot of people will look at that and say, oh, well, it's, you don't have to use it. It's opt-in. But I'd like to describe something that's happening in China right now because I want you to understand how opt-in software will be used. In China, they have something similar. I, I don't know whether it's opt-in, but it doesn't matter. Your phone, when you have the software, your phone basically can give a green or a red or a yellow, I think. I'm not sure what the, but green's like, I'm clear, I don't have COVID right? This app is showing that I'm clear. Red is like, oh, I do have it. I don't, I don't know if yellow means you're exposed. I'm not sure. Um, but this is what will start happening. Large companies will start saying, well, or apartment buildings or wherever, you want to get a lease here? You want to work here? You want to come into our store? Show that you're green. Show you're green on an app. And so it doesn't have to be mandatory. What will happen is um, companies will start requiring that people demonstrate their green status before interacting and going, getting into a public event. And that will make it de facto required. And that is very concerning to me. Um, and, and because we don't have <laughs> Susan Wilde in chat, I'm sorry, I just got distracted. Susan says opt-in has no translation in Mandarin. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, while not technically true, that is directionally accurate. Um, so yeah, I mean, so I, the problem is we've got a culture in which people aren't going to push back on this. So I think we really need to push back on this kind of stuff. We really need, and I think Facebook is doing something similar. I haven't looked at Facebook stuff. We really, really, really need to push back in businesses that when this eventually happens, when businesses start asking you to show your green or whatever, show that you're clear, show you've got the app installed, it's been running for a certain amount of time and you're clear, you've got to not patronize those businesses. We've, we really have to vote with our wallets here because um, this is exactly how 
uh, Big Brother. Big Brother doesn't get built by the government. The government doesn't build anything. They're they're incompetent. Uh, then they can't even build their own guns, which is basically all they're supposed to be doing uh, is is <laughs> protecting you from enemies. Like they don't build anything. Uh, all they do is have the other people build it. So uh, this will get built by the private sector. It's going to get built by Apple and Google. Probably Facebook will do something similar. And unless we push back, uh, this will become the de facto standard. And this is something that really, really concerns me. And I don't see a lot of people talking about it. And I just wanted to share it with you. I had, like I said, I haven't done a deep dive on the specifics of the algorithm, but uh, it kind of doesn't matter. And there's Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. I don't have anything else to say. I just wanted to say that yeah. about people. Um, Alan Conrad in chat saying certificate of vaccine ID. Yes, it, this is similar. I think Bill Gates talked about something like this, or at least it was attributed to him. I don't know. There's a lot of... Uh, Sometimes people say Bill Gates did X, Y, Z, and it's for some reason he his name gets attached to doing a lot of stuff, uh, whether or not he's done it. So I don't know if Bill Gates did do this, but he might have. Um, yeah, the the idea of showing that you've been vaccinated, right? Um, it doesn't have to come from the government. These large companies are going to implement technology that makes it easy to, to use and deploy, and they're going to make it easy for other businesses to, to do this. And then you're going to kind of be by default be locked out of the system if you don't comply. Um, so, well, um, Laura in chat is saying that most of the people that she's seen talking about this are in favor of it, which again is very disappointing. Um, I, I told Carter, somebody did a poll in my local group, um, my local community Facebook group the other day. And it was interesting because there's been these like two very outspoken camps emerging during this crisis, those who are in favor of government shutdown, government tyranny, denial of your constitutional rights, um, who believe that they can buy safety, temporary safety, by giving up freedom and liberties, and giving up freedom and liberties of their neighbors. Um, and then there's the camp that's been against the lockdowns, or maybe they were for them at some point, but have now b turned against them. Um, and I, I was, I was, I, I, I didn't really have an idea. It seemed like the camp I'm in was getting larger. But somebody posted a poll a couple days ago, and you could just see people voting, and it was basically 50-50. And I was a little surprised. And I that thought, was in Texas, right? That was a Texas poll. This is in Texas, and this is not Austin. This is north of Austin in an area that I just, I, would, I wouldn't have thought it would be that large of a percentage of people who are okay being farm animals. And that's, uh, you're right when you've used that analogy before. They're, they're okay being farmed. They're okay giving up freedoms and liberties. They're okay trading the freedoms and liberties of their neighbors. Maybe if it were impacting them, a lot of these people um, are still getting paid their full salary and they're working from home. And maybe if it were impacting them directly, maybe they're the kind of person who lacks empathy and it has to affect them directly before they care. But probably not. I don't know. A lot of them, it just, it, there seems to be this disconnect. They don't understand concepts. They don't understand philosophy. They don't understand our founding principles of this country. They don't understand what the word liberty means. Uh, they don't understand what the word rights means. And to see that large of a percentage of people was really disappointing to me. But then I started thinking about it differently. And, I'm, and I was thinking, you know what, actually, maybe it's good. 
maybe 50% against it is good. And maybe at previous times in history where people have rolled over and allowed for authoritarianism and tyranny and oppression to take root in their country, maybe they didn't have 50%, you know, maybe we're in a good place that, that we have that many and maybe we can grow that. But I, I'm going to take this to a personal place for a second. I told you this. I confess this to you offline, but I'll confess it online. Carter and I have had lots of debates about whether or not um, good intent matters and about uh, people who have good intent who support evil ideologies like I used to do. And we have some disagreements because I'm still friends with some SJWs and I would even say I love some of those friends, but this has been different for me because this is a lot of those. I think it may be because um, they, even though they're trying to codify things into law, they haven't been very successful here yet. They have in some ways. Um, they've definitely codified some of the language, like the misgendering crap into law. And they've codified some of the stuff about being able to take your kids away from you into law. <laughs> If they, if you don't support your kids' gender identity. But I think for the most part, I've viewed it as like it's in the ideology stage. It's not in the implementation stage fully yet. Well, now this, this crisis, which is not an SJW crisis, but I see a lot of people falling on a lot of SJWs in that authoritarian camp because they're authoritarian, right. because they Napoleons are going to so of course they're in that camp. Yeah. Um, Napoleons are going to, uh, yeah. So not everyone who supports this lockdown is an SJW, but a lot of S, most SJWs I know support the lockdown. Um, and I've gotten to a place now where personally, um, you know, you guys may have seen me if you see, follow me on social media. I don't usually name call. I've started name calling a bit. I'm torn about that, but I don't want you in my life if you're a person who believes that your fake right not to get sick which is not a right if you are that selfish and that you have that little foresight and that little of an ability to think for yourself and to reason through things and to see where that's going to take us I don't want you in my life goodbye <laughs> like I've lost uh, I lost a lot of friends when I left my SJW ideology I've lost a lot of friends in the past month during this lockdown and as far as I'm concerned, like you couldn't leave fast enough. Uh, you disgust me. Uh, I'm struggling with that as Carter knows. Cause I, again, I'm the person who's like, everybody's welcome to the party and I do civilian dinners and you come to my party. You can believe whatever you want. You come to the dinners. It's all about learning other points of view. When we pick back up and start doing civility dinners, I don't expect this, these people to come anyway, but I kind of am like, you're not welcome at my party. <laughs> <laughs> because your underlying philosophy is so different and because it's now been implemented, the government has now enforced it and you've supported it. You've supported tyranny. You've supported stripping your neighbor of their right to put food on the table for their kids and to defend their life. You're repulsive. Um, I'm going to have a hard time being civil with you because I think you're disgusting. So this is something I'm struggling with. <laughs> I want to get back to, I keep, I'm praying about it. Uh, I'm like, what would Jesus do? I think about it. I, I still believe, I believe in putting people that I don't like at the center of my prayers to help me learn to love them. But I'm really struggling with this. Um, so that's just a personal note is 
something's changed in me towards those who um, support this tyranny. And, uh, and if you're hate watching this and you're one of those people, um, I think you're reprehensible. That's all. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear this, Carrie, obviously. But, uh, you know, I will, I, not that the atheist should, should lecture you about Jesus, but didn't Jesus get very angry and overturn the tables of the money changers in the temple? And, like, he, he definitely unleashed wrath on people. In fact, uh, if my recollection is correct, his second coming is about wrath. He will bring the sword. Not He's not, like, this is not a—Jesus isn't just the hippie from the 60s doing peace and love. I believe, I believe his message was uh, about justice as well. And if you take ideas seriously, this is why you and I have disagreed on this issue, and and we may continue to. I'm not I'm not saying you you have to like, you know, agree with me on this. But if you take ideas seriously, you see whether not you see their consequences. It, it like once you start thinking philosophically, and you see like, oh, the idea uh, of collectivism, or or the idea that people are owned by the state, or that um, that individual rights don't matter. You see that idea manifest in the future. You just it, the, the movie plays right in front of you. And you see like, oh, that means I get forced by gunpoint onto a boxcar someday. That's what that means. And, and a lot of people, because we've been taught by really bad philosophers to, to not take ideas seriously. And the reason we were taught that is because their ideas are deadly. So the first thing they need to do before they talk about their ideas is teach you that ideas are just, you know, they're just for armchair philosophizing and, and talking about. They don't really, don't worry about ideas. You can be friends with someone even if they have bad ideas. That's fine. So they had to, they had to rip down the importance of ideas completely, just, just nihilistically destroy the importance of ideas and then introduce really bad ideas and you're supposed to remain friends with commies and be like, well, they, they mean well. It doesn't matter. You, you still end up dead. You still end up in the mass grave dead. It doesn't matter. And so, uh, you know, I, as someone who takes ideas seriously and has for a long time, I have zero tolerance for people who are like, well, you know, I'm coming at my communism from a good place. Yeah, fuck you. Your communism doesn't come from a good place. It can't. It comes from an idea that has killed 100 million people last century. 100 million people. You can't. I get that you might be dumb. I get that. But and it doesn't mean I want to attack you. If you're if you're making mistake, if it's a mistaken application of of uh logic and like you're just making an error, that's fine. I don't have to like attack you, but I don't want you in my life because your error leads to death. And for too long we just don't we have been in a society that's been taught to get along and not have conflict and that ideas don't matter very much. And what really matters is that you both like the same sports team and you both go to the same church or you both like to eat, you know, the same kind of wine or aren't we fun to go hang out with on Friday nights? Like none of that crap matters. If they don't respect your rights, eventually they're the Karens that snitch on you during a COVID crisis. That's inevitable. That happens inevitably. And I think it. I think one of the good things about this crisis is people are realizing, like, oh, ideas have consequences. These people, who I kind of just disagreed with at an idea level, but thought I was friends with, they will literally have my ass thrown in jail if I go walk my dog for too long outside or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think if I had, if I had stayed in SJW, and I like to think that this, because things, something woke me up, right? 
And I, I like to think that this, I would not be in the authoritarian camp on this, even if I had not left that ideology, that this would be the thing that shakes me awake. And I still want to make room for people to grow and to learn that their belief system is not what they thought it was, or to learn just in general, to turn their brains on. You know, mine was turned off for a long time. And I'm like, I, I see that in people and I want to have room and that room for forgiveness and for growth. But this is just somebody in the chat said, you know, everybody has a line and yours has been crossed. Like this is a line for me. I'm like, I, I have trouble. One of the friends that I lost during this used to come to my civility dinners. I can't imagine breaking bread with him now. Right, right. And this is why, because, look, yeah. I, this is why, I mean, partly in my own psychology, I've never been the kind of person who's super social. I have a few good friends and that's about it. Like I don't, I don't go out and party a lot or anything, but uh, this is why I, I don't, I don't support this idea of like smoothing over underlying fundamental dis like, uh, seriously clashing beliefs that are like going to lead to death. Right. Like I don't, this idea that like, you know, we've talked about it with one of your friends, um, in the past who I don't like. And, and you and you've said to me like, oh, but she's coming from a good place. And I'm like, I don't care. She's indoctrinating children to literally, you know, become little Hitlers. Like, I don't care. I don't care what place she's coming from. That's not relevant to me. I don't care what place the guy, like when we're standing in line about to get shot and put into a mass grave, I don't care what place the guy with the gun is coming from. Like, well, you know, he thinks he's doing the right thing. And he thought, like, I don't care. I don't care. And yes, the person voting for that policy, you might say is less culpable because they're not actually pulling the trigger, but there's still culpability. If you vote for someone to pull the trigger, you're still kind of culpable. Um, and so I, all this stuff, like ideas matter. Ideas matter gravely. They Ideas matter. They're life and death things. Um, and I don't, one of my biggest frustrations with society is how we we treat ideas like they're casual irrelevant they're casual yeah they're irrelevant yeah. they just they're they're they don't matter and it's like oh well you know i you There's know we can get my communist quote. friend and my capitalist friend can get along mm, there's no. a great stalin quote i think about when i think about the power of ideas and why they're so important and why it's so important for authoritarians to control ideas, yes. to control language in the way that you think. It's a Stalin quote. And he said, we would not let them have guns. Why would we let them have ideas? Yeah, I put that in my uh, my public good <laughs> video, that Stalin quote. Oh my quote. gosh. Because it's true, yeah. Yeah, uh-oh, Tiger has something to say. Uh, yeah, uh, the mailman's here. Uh <laughs> so by the way, this is why a lot of like, uh, libertarian slash freedom loving slash volunteerists uh actually view voting I don't, i'm not one of these people who thinks that voting is uh an act of aggression but some people do think that and i understand why they think that um they view voting as an act of aggression because uh when you're voting to have someone with a gun enforce something against someone else it's you know, uh, it is sort of an indirect act, act of aggression in that sense. I have more complicated reasons why I don't think it is, but um, yeah, this is why this is why people think that. And Carrie, I don't know. I think we need to get uh, 
we need to get over being, we have become a conflict avoidant society. We've become this like really weak conflict avoidant society. And there's nothing like you either have hard, like you either have the conflict now when it's verbal or you have it later when it's, when bullets are flying, like conflicts can't be avoided forever. When you avoid little conflicts, they just come down later. It might be your grandkids that have to dodge bullets, but it's because you avoided having the conflict early. Um, and, you know, we're not, Carrie and I, our generation is not the first generation that could have fought this. Many generations prior could have been less conflict avoidant and really fought this and fought the uh, indoctrination of Marxist ideology, you know, into the schools and the universities and like people could have thought this, but they didn't. Um, and now we're dealing with it. And someone in chat, I've, I don't remember who said, I don't see how, I don't see how uh, the U S I can't find the comment, but I don't see how the U S is going to hold together much longer. I, I hate to say that because that's uh, horribly pessimistic, but I don't really either. Well, I, I'm not that pessimistic, but I think we've irrevocably changed our our collective consciousness, what we're willing to allow as a country, and it's not going to be good down the road because we'll allow this again for less yeah, of, a, of, we a, will. Of, a, of an attempted justification than we did this time because we've now been like, well, it's happened before and it's okay. It's not okay. That's why small businesses need to sue the pants yeah. off of these local governments they, for precedent reasons, not just you know for money. It's like to set to show that you can't do this. It's unconstitutional. I um, I, I don't know. I had I had right. another thought, but it's escaping me. I just uh oh in chat, John says, um, always remember who when everything gets back to normal. If it gets back to normal, remember who the Karens were, not to do anything to them, just to remember. And I will I will never forget. Yeah. Um, well, you can certainly uh, shun them. Like you can socially distance yourself. I will from never them. forget. Like I don't want you in my life. Uh, Rib asks, "What did this friend do?" I mean, it, it was. I don't make this kind of. You know me, Carter. I'm very open and accepting of people of all different beliefs, and it's not. I didn't get there lightly with this friend. This friend for years um, is an atheist, but like the arrogant religious kind of atheist. And is this the one I know or no? Yes, you know of this person. Yes. Okay. Um, is and, he the one who doesn't believe in free will at all? And I, I, right. Yeah, and okay. he, he, you know, I ignored the arrogance because I mean, I have a lot of friends who are arrogant in different ways. I don't really mind it. It's a character flaw, maybe, but it's also funny sometimes. So that's fine. I'm arrogant in some ways, I'm sure too. But he, he was really um, condescending, and it, that was fine. All of that was fine. But when this crisis happened, uh, his post towards me took on a level of contempt towards me that couldn't be bridged. I'll put it that way. Mm. Um, he claimed an absolute moral and intellectual high ground that he didn't earn, um, defending a really selfish position, like like the position that defends government tyranny and stripping your neighbor of his right to put food on his kid's table Defending that and trying to say you're the unselfish one is gross to me. It's really gross. And at the beginning of all this, I tried not to. I tried not to make assumptions about those people, 
the people who believe that way. I tried to assume, well, in their mind, they they do care about people. They're just they're just not seeing this for what it is, and they're just misguided. And but I've gotten to the point now where I don't believe for most of them. I mean, I'm sure there are some motivated by fear who really believe but that they're doing the right thing and this is good for people. But for most of them, I don't think they, I think they are selfish, greedy people. I've become, that's, that's what's animated them, animating them at the moment. Anyway, they've been possessed. Think of it like being possessed by selfishness at a period in your life. Um, and, and to be possessed by that selfishness and to want your neighbor's rights to be stripped away so you can buy some temporary feeling of safety. Um, to to believe that and then to pretend that you're the one that cares about people is disgusting to me. And so that came forward in all of his comments. And then I think the tipping point was when we interviewed Mike Cernovich and I shared it. I put my my heart out there in terms of I hope people who friends of mine who maybe hate him without ever having looked at his work or anything would watch this. Um, he couldn't be bothered to not only has he never watched the documentary hoaxed, read anything Cernovich has written, followed him on Twitter to see what he tweets about, nothing, couldn't even watch the interview that we did with him and then wanted to continue to claim this false intellectual high ground. And I just was like, I'm done. Like, <laughs> I don't need you in my life. Every time you come in, every time it was like, uh, I don't mind disagreement. In fact, I encourage it. And I, I like differing points of view in my feed. I, it challenges me when people disagree with me. But if you have bad intent like this person did, and every time you come out of the weeds or you stick your head up, it's to snipe at me and to come at me with contempt and with bad faith arguments like you're not there for good reason. You have no good purpose. My false beliefs about your good intent are were wrong. Um, so take yourself out of my life. That's where I'm at. Anyway, well no, I, I, I agree, and I think a lot of these, a lot of bad philosophy is um, because of the the elephant and rider thing we've talked about with um, Jonathan Haidt's analogy. Um, a lot of a lot of bad philosophy is really just um, a a rider construct designed to justify what the elephant feels like doing, right? So when there's a lot of like envy, I mean, most of Marxism is built on just the basest of envy and hatred of the good. And it's just based on, it's based on crap. It's not based on, uh, it's not trying to justify anything good. It's just trying to, it's trying to literally justify some of the worst emotional and psychological traits that you can have. Um, Keith, the hat guy, by the way, uh, reminds me of this great quote. I love this. This is from this is from uh, We the Living, which is one of uh, Ayn Rand's books. Um, it's a fiction book. But a communist says to one of the characters, I know you're going to say I love your ideals, but loathe your methods. And the character responds saying, I loathe your ideals. <laughs> right? That's, that's the attitude that I think is super important to understand that it's the ideals. Communism isn't some, and socialism, and the, like this stuff isn't some grand utopia that it's only bad because it's not practical. It's evil. The idea itself is utterly evil. Um, we have a few super chats, though, we should bring up. Um, one, Andrew Thompson. Andrew Thompson, thank you. Andrew Thompson says, did you guys see the breakdown of the lawsuit against Queen Gretchen that was denied? I didn't. Uh, did you see this, Carrie? No, I'm not sure what that is about. Andrew just clued me into a few things during this chat. Thank you, Andrew. 
Uh, I'll have to look that up. Uh, yeah. Just so you I, know, Carter, I assume I assume he means the Michigan. Isn't Gretchen the Michigan governor? Oh, the Queen Gretchen. There, I get it now. Let them eat cake. That Gretchen. Yeah, I. I <laughs> but I haven't. I haven't. I haven't know. I so I guess yeah. there was a lawsuit and it was dismissed, which I didn't know. Also, um, Chaz fourteen twenty two says, uh, Reverend Cotton Math Maher was a most prolific author, Harvard-educated, fashionable. He believed in doing the right thing, purging witches in Salem. <laughs> right, yeah. Har okay, Harvard. <laughs> I feel like that justifies our okay, Harvard. Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of these people, um, it comes down to wanting to use force and using something to justify their naked desire to just be tyrants. Um, so, Chris Joyce. Wow. Uh, Chris... You need to Aww. say something. Chris just gave us 50 bucks in Super Chat, but you got it. Chris, you got to... We can read something. We can talk about what you want. I mean, I'm very appreciative of the chat, but... Uh, of the of the Super thank Chat. Thank you, but, Chris. I know, Chris. Yeah, thank, you. thank you very much. You've got to... You know, tell us tell us what you want. We're, uh, we will prostitute ourselves enough. I mean, 50 bucks. We'll talk about whatever you want. Remember, <laughs> remember the time Carter... They, somebody did a Super Chat and made Carter go and get his cat. <laughs> I, that was Keith the hat guy no wait no was Keith the one who shut it down and someone else yeah it? yeah Keith okay. paid for you yeah. to quit showing the cat <laughs> that's right that's right that sounds more like the Keith I know Keith made me oh stop showing okay so I have a heart out I have to go um okay I've got to drive to another town but uh what was I gonna say Oh gosh, it was something big. Oh, just a reminder that we have merch. That was that wasn't what I was going to say, but we do have merch. Were you going to talk about book club? Book club is coming up on Sunday. You still have time to read Animal Farm. And I saw in the chat lots of people were talking about they're reading it now. They got their book, and it's really relevant to what we're talking about. So go get a copy of Animal Farm. You still have time to read it before Sunday, I promise, or listen to it on audio book. Um, and uh, there was something else there. Oh, this was it. I'm just going to preview this for the knitters. Uh, it won't be out until next week, but we got to interview someone in the chat. We got to interview uh, Marie Buskey who in New Zealand who runs uh, uh, Skeins Yarn. It's skeins.com. And uh, we got to talk with her. If you guys follow um, Skeins or the um, knit, knit August Nights, which is her yarn festival in New Zealand, we're going to be releasing that next week. It was a really cool interview. I'm happy we got to speak with her. And there's a really funny thing that happens in it that Carter's probably going to cut out, but I made him promise to save it so we can release it separately. I'm saying this on camera so we get to release it. Well, do, I mean, do you want me to say it and ruin the thunder, or do you want to release no. it some other day? Okay. Let's release it some other day. All right. <laughs> yeah. All. Carter did something embarrassing. But funny. It was very funny. <laughs> it was funny to me. It was very funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you, All right. Um, we have just as a reminder, if you want to do uh, book club, you got to email speak at unsafespace.com if you want to be in book club. Um, Carrie, do you have to go? Because there's one more minor thing I just want to kind of talk about. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, uh, but... you, I have to go just to have a heart out. But um, All right. uh, but thank you, Ian, for the super chat. He says, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. An Edmund Burke quote. Thank you for that. That's a really yes. relevant quote. Yep. Yep. Okay. Thank All you right. Guys. Well, bye, Carrie. Bye, Have a good Carter. One. I'll talk to you later. Okay. All right. All right. Um, the one last thing, I, and I only I wanted to talk related to everything else we were talking about, but it was someone brought it up in uh, in chat. Someone brought up Elon Musk, 
And uh, I have a love relation, love hate relationship with Elon because uh, sometimes I can't stand stuff he says, and other times like he's spot on. I didn't realize apparently he's he's wrong thinking about the coronavirus in a great way. Uh, so I just looked up in real time now. I didn't know about this. I just looked up his uh, I just looked up his uh, Twitter. So let's just look through his Twitter. This is not that long ago, April twenty sixth. Uh, Silicon Valley has become sanctimonious valley. Too much the moral arbiter of the world. Yes, very true, Elon. Uh, give people their freedom back. He's, he's tweeting, uh, do lockdowns save many lives? In most places, the data shows no. Um, Bravo, Texas, because uh, Texas restaurants, retailers, and other businesses are going to reopen. He writes, free America now in all caps, which uh, that's like a grandpa thing to do, but it's great. Um, let's see. Tesla, Tesla CEO Elon Musk blasts shelter-in-place orders to say that they cannot leave their house and then will be arrested if they do. This is fascist. This is not democratic. This is not freedom. Give people their goddamn freedom. Good for him. Good for Elon. See, now I'm having a love relationship with Elon Musk. He is so hard for me to track. Uh, so why forced isolation is bad. Um, yeah. Let's see. Classifying all deaths as corona, even if corona didn't cause death, is simply a lie. That's correct. It's something we've talked about. They're absolutely doing that. I'm glad he's uh, taking the red pill on this. Um, give people back their freedom. I am selling all my almost almost all my physical possessions. Will own no house. <laughs> okay. See, this is where he just sometimes also he does too much acid and then. Who knows what the hell's going on? I don't know, but uh, I don't know. not bad, not bad, uh, not bad from from Elon. So I guess I can appreciate that. Uh, anything else we need to talk about? I know people want me to stay, but I don't have anything in particular. Let me look through my notes and see if there's anything I'm like super missing. Not really. Uh, I think we've we've hit on most topics. If anyone in uh, anyone in chat has anything that you really want us to talk about uh, or want me to address before I go, let me know. But I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to end the show. Thank you guys for watching. Really appreciate it. Uh, like, uh, like Carrie said, we've got a, a show with Marie uh, Busky coming out uh, probably next week. We also have, um, oh, someone says, check out the new project Veritas. Uh, Suzanne Wild uh, sent a super chat saying, uh, check out the new, project veritas carter uh i will what i don't tell me what it's about um keith the hack guy also sends a super chat and says uh elon musk is from south africa he doesn't have to take the red, red pill he lived it <laughs> possibly yes uh possibly he doesn't have to take the red pill in that respect but um yeah i don't know i don't know what the project veritas thing is about so someone someone let me know uh, but we have the the Marie uh, Busky thing coming out. Also, this Sunday morning, I think I'm going to release a conversation that Carrie and I had with Julianne Davis, which is kind of a weird conversation. Um, as many of you know, Julianne is uncomfortable with my atheism and uh, really wanted to have a discussion on air about, or on camera, about uh, God and belief and atheism. Carrie joined for a part of it, but then then uh, left. 
So I'm going to release that on Sunday morning. And uh, if you want to ask the big questions about life and the universe, I guess that's the show to watch. I have mixed feelings about uh, releasing it generally because uh, I don't want to piss off both sides, which probably will happen. But, you know, I'm going to do it anyway. So, all right. I think I think that's it. Um, let me close these. I don't see anything else super urgent in chat. Uh, I will see you guys Sunday. I think it's 5 Pacific. I don't re actually remember. So it's whatever Carrie said. Uh, it's whatever Carrie said the time is. Veritas is an interview with a funeral home director talking about COVID on death certificates. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we already know this about death certificates. We, we already know they are saying that uh, presence of COVID equals COVID death, uh, which so we know COVID is being miscalculated. We know the deaths from COVID are being miscalculated. That's just clear. Uh, so anyway, have a good one, everyone. Uh, I will see you on Sunday evening for... Animal Farm. I'm not even sure if I'm going to read Animal Farm because I read it like last year. I don't know if I'm going to reread it. So I might not do my homework. I might I'll, I might skim it, but I just saw it recently. Uh, someone says the answer to life, every universe, and everything is 42, right, Carter? It is. I have a shirt actually with that answer, uh, with that answer on. But John, we're going to talk about the question. So uh, all right. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Uh, have a good uh, weekend, and we will see you on uh, Sunday evening.